The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 28 on page 1000 and 1001. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make his disciple all of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. It's so lovely to be with you. Let's pray for a moment. Father God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that you come now by your Holy Spirit, that you will be encouraging, inspiring, challenging, rebuking us today so that we can grow closer to you, that we can learn more about you, and we can share your love with all those that we meet. Amen. 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 It genuinely is so lovely to be here, and it is like coming home, which is just lovely. Um, And we're going to be looking at this passage, which I'm going to assume that for most of us um, is a passage that we've heard of or heard read before, the Great Commission. But before we get too stuck into it, I want to ask you a question. How do you cope with being told what to do? How do you cope with being told what to do? I wonder if you are someone that enjoys telling people what to do. I've been on a course uh, the last few weeks which puts people into categories of colours. Maybe that's language that, that you're familiar with, maybe it's not. There's red people, there's green people, there's yellow people, there's blue people. Um, but red and green on this course are the things they keep focusing on. And red people, people with lots of red energy, are people that enjoy directing, enjoy commanding, enjoy telling people what to do. My husband has lots of red energy. And then on the opposite side of that... Green people are those kind of relational people that, that kind of know what they think they need to do, but want everyone to be on board with it before they, they get there. I've got a lot of green in me, so job sharing is going great. Um, but I wonder what side of the camp you fit on or whether you're somewhere in the middle. How do you cope with being told what to do? And what we see in this passage is Jesus is telling his disciples and he is telling us pretty clearly what we need 
to do. There is a pretty clear command here. But what I love and what I want to draw on just as we start is that he doesn't just throw out this command and instruction and kind of leave everybody to work out how they're going to manage it. What he says, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, the definition of commission has, uh, there's two definitions. One is this instruction and command. And the other one is when you are given authority to perform the task at hand. Jesus gives this direct instruction, but he also promises us that we have the authority to put that command into action through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just think that is an amazing place to start. And we're going to be looking at the Great Commission this morning. I'm going to be drawing on some things from the last year in Blackpool um, that I hope encourage and I hope um, we can learn from. But I also want to challenge all of us that the Great Commission, that's what it will be and that it will won't become the great omission of the church. So we're going to start this morning before we get to the words of Jesus. Uh, Jesus has lived on the earth. He has died a death he did not deserve. Um, And then he's risen again. And he meets the two Marys. And this is just before our reading. And he says to the Marys, he says, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. So the Marys go off and tell the disciples uh, that they need to get themselves to Galilee. And that's where we get to today's reading. And in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And before we get to the words of Jesus, I want to pause on verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You see, it's really easy to just focus on the command and the instruction, but there's something really key, I think, for us in this verse. We don't know the reason why some of those disciples are doubting. Maybe they're stood in front of Jesus and they're going, is it really him? It looks like him. He sounds like him. But maybe it's not who we think it is. Maybe some of them are going, well, maybe, okay, it clearly is Jesus. But maybe he's not who we thought he was. Maybe he didn't actually die. Maybe with something's gone wrong somewhere that we haven't quite, we've, we're really tired It's been a really exhausting three years. Maybe our eyes are deceiving us. We don't know the reason why they are doubting. I actually think it's fair enough that some of them are doubting. They've had some pretty big things happen in the last few days. But we know that they are doubting. But what this passage doesn't say is some doubted and walked away. It doesn't say, but some doubted and therefore felt they couldn't be with Jesus and left. It doesn't say, but some doubted, so when actually, Jesus, you're not for us. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. My first point this morning is, it is okay to doubt. It is okay to not have all the answers. It is okay to be unsure. But in our doubt, we need to lean in in worship and not draw back. 
We need to lean into God. We need to draw closer to him in our worship in the moments where our doubt is the highest rather than turn away from him. There have been times in the last year in Blackpool which have been amazing. Absolutely incredible. We have seen amazing answers to prayer. Uh, We started a a service, I mentioned earlier, Families at Four, which was for people on the local estate. And we didn't advertise this service because we didn't know what we were doing. That is no joke. We genuinely, we didn't... We didn't really talk about it. We told a couple of people that we thought there's no way they're going to remember. Like, told them a few weeks in advance. Um, We put it on for the Vickers kids as a pilot. Um, And on that day, um, we'd set up a couple of tables expecting the Vickers kids to turn up. And we opened the door and 70 people walked through the door. Um, We'd promised food. (laughs) And they all got fed. Um, We've had some amazing moments like that. We've seen incredible answers to prayer. Um, Matt's going to share more this evening. But there have also been moments that have been really hard. There have been moments that have been really, really challenging. We ended up being homeless. We lived in the vicarage, but we were technically homeless for 77 days, which wasn't part of the plan. Um, There have been moments where we have genuinely been like, God, we're not sure why we're here. There have been moments where our team have come into our house and gone, guys, we're not sure we're cut out for this. And we've had to make a choice in those moments to lean in in worship and not draw away. And they have been some of the most powerful moments. Some of our team meetings on a Thursday evening where our team and us have cried and gone, God, we have nothing to give. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what we're doing. Have been the most incredible evenings of prayer and worship as we have lent into God and just rejoiced in who God is. And just rejoice that he has brought us there and he will see us through because his promises are always true and always good. It is okay to doubt. It is okay to not have all the answers. It is okay if there are things right now that you haven't quite got worked out in your head. But in your doubt, lean in. Lean in and worship the one who saves, the one who loves, the one that transforms. Don't draw away. When they saw him, they worshipped him. That's my first point. My second point is actually in what Jesus says. Verse 18, Jesus says, Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see, I think it's really easy here for a lot of us, a lot of the time, and I know I'm guilty of this, to focus on the middle bit of that statement. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's the bit we talk about a lot. And when we moved to Blackpool, we genuinely thought, and, and I think rightly to an extent, thought the majority of our time would be spent uh, telling people about the gospel, sharing the gospel with people for the first time, and then coming to know Jesus. We were really excited about that. We were really excited about those moments of people um, hearing the gospel for the first time um, and coming into relationship with Jesus. But friends, what I have learned in the last year is that baptizing is the easy bit. 
baptizing is the easy bit. What do I mean by that? If we think about it like a marriage, right? Take your typical engaged couple, not looking at anyone in the room because she'll kill me. Um, Take your typical engaged couple, okay? Maybe you've been in that boat, maybe you know people in that boat. There's a lot of focus on something, but it's not often on the marriage. It's often on the one big day. It's often on the wedding day. And it's an important day. There's an important dress that needs to be bought. There's important bridesmaids' colors that need to be thought about. There's flowers. There's catering. There's lots and lots of important things. Me and my mum had one argument in the lead up to my marriage, uh, to my wedding with Matt, and it was over cutlery. (laughs) Cutlery. I'm going to ask you again, Eddie. Do you remember the cutlery at our wedding? No, and this is filmed, mother. He doesn't remember the cutlery. Um, No one remembers the cutlery because it's not important. Um, But we get ourselves really, really worked up over the tiniest things about a wedding day. But anyone with any wisdom should be saying to a married couple, uh, an engaged couple, your marriage starts the day after your wedding. Your marriage starts the day when you are setting up home and you're working out how you communicate day to day. It starts when you're working out how to negotiate your schedules. It starts in all of those things when you're trying to put the other person first, even when they're really annoying and you want to be somewhere else and you can't because you've committed your life to them. It starts in all of those moments, not on the wedding day. And I think it's the same, actually, in the Christian faith. Baptism is really important. People committing their lives to Jesus is what we long for. And we long for people to be saved um, through the power of the Holy Spirit and come into relationship with Jesus. Yes, of course we do. We want people to have salvation for themselves. But Jesus says something before that. Go and make disciples of all nations. And he says something after that, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's not something that all happens the day someone gets baptized. That's not something that happens the day that someone says yes to giving their life to Jesus. That is something that takes a lifetime. That is something that takes a journey of faith that we are all on. Take Dave in our community who gave his life to Jesus on the side of a mountain with Matt a few weeks ago. It was incredible. He said yes to relationship with Jesus, but he had to go back into his family, and he's now working out how to be a Christian and live as a, as a Christian in a family who haven't quite caught up yet. Take Anne, who has got multiple mental health issues, who um, has been on a journey of faith and said yes uh, to following Jesus a couple of months ago, but actually still in a family um, of cycles of abuse and still in a family that's got cycles of addiction. And she's trying to work out how to, to allow kind of the Holy Spirit to work through that and how, how her life is going to continue to be transformed every single day. She can't do that in her own strength. But every single day, we are helping and journeying her to become more like Jesus as she learns what it means to obey everything he has commanded. Take Bob. I've changed all these names, by the way, which is why I'm having to think slightly harder. (laughs) Take Bob in our community who prayed and prayed and prayed with us and on his own for a phone because he can't. He couldn't afford a phone. 
And one day he came running into the church and he said, I've been given a phone by Universal Credit and they never give out phones in the way that they did. But they rang, um, or they, I, I said this earlier, they rang, they must have rung someone else because he didn't have a phone, so he, they can't have rung him. But they spoke to him and said, here, we want to give you a phone so you can get work easier. He came into church and he went, I'm starting to believe that God actually answers prayers. He's on a journey of faith and that journey of faith won't stop the day he fully surrenders his life to Jesus, it will start. We are all on a journey of faith. If you were baptized 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 10 years ago, you've had 30, 40, 50, 10 years to become more like Christ each day. What does that look like for you today? Baptizing is the easy bit. It's an amazing bit, but it's the easy bit. And this leads me on to my final point this morning. And that is Jesus gives a really direct command, a really direct instruction here. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. But in order for us to fulfill that instruction, in order for us to fulfill and want to fulfill that command, we have to believe in the necessity of Jesus for ourselves. We have to have confidence in our story and how Jesus has changed our life in order for us to want to share that with those that we meet. There was a survey uh, in the US earlier this year that said out of the Christians that they surveyed, 55% said they have not shared their faith with anyone in the last month. And I just wonder what that survey would look like in the UK. I'm just going to throw it out there. 55% of Christians have not shared their faith this month. And of those 55%, less than a quarter said they gave an opportunity for someone to respond to the gospel. Now, I'm not saying we should all be walking down the street and every person we bump into, we should be saying, have you heard about the Lord Jesus and how he could change your life? Because that's a little bit weird. And it doesn't always work in the way we'd like it to. But I am saying there are people in our communities There are people maybe in your home, in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in your mission fields, whatever that looks like, that will not have heard of the life-changing, transforming message of the gospel. And that's on us. That's on us to be sharing our story. But it starts with a question that is, if, what would your life look like today? if Jesus wasn't in it? What would your life look like today if Jesus wasn't in it? And if your answer is, I'd get a lie-in on a Sunday, or I'd have some more evenings free, or um, I don't know, I'm not really sure, not that different, then can I gently challenge you to go back to the root of the gospel. To go back to the root of the gospel that is that God created this world and he created everything in it. And God put humans on this world 
and humans messed it up and sin entered the world and a a wedge came between humans and God. But God is so abundantly good and so extravagantly kind that he didn't want to leave it like that. So God sent his only son Jesus onto this world who walked as fully God and fully man and went to the cross and died a death he did not deserve. And on that cross took the sin and the mess and the guilt and the brokenness and the shame of you and of me and everyone in your workplace and everyone in your neighborhood and everyone in your friendship group, whether they know it yet or not. And all of that died on the cross. And anybody that has relationship with Jesus can rise again with Jesus like he did. And all of the cycles of addiction, all the cycles of abuse, all of the things that hold us down can be laid at the foot of the cross and we can find freedom and transformation in him. Can I remind you and encourage you to go back there? Can I remind you and encourage you to go back to the root of the gospel and remind yourself of the transforming nature of the gospel? Because if you do, I genuinely believe you will want to share that with those that you meet. And if you don't, I think we need to look at it a bit longer. Because there is power in the gospel. There is transformation in the gospel. And that shouldn't just be for the people in this room. It should be for everyone we know. And we should long for that, for everyone we know. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In your home, in your workplace, in your friendship groups, in your neighborhoods. Let's all this morning go on a mission trip. Let's all go on mission. Let's start next door. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is alive and living. We thank you for the freedom and the transformation that is found in relationship with you through your son. We thank you for the authority that you give us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray as we continue today and as we leave this place later today, that we will be fired up and stirred up to want to share your transforming love with those that we know, so that more and more people can know what it means to live in relationship with you, to live a life of all its fullness for now and forevermore. Stir us up, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.